Welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something's Match of the Week, where your co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other co-host Simon Cross discuss a match from the wide world of pro wrestling over the century plus that it has existed, although frankly we haven't gone much beyond 1970 so far, I think. To be fair, we went to 1951, I think, so that's not too bad. But we've got the other first half of the 20th century to go. But we're not doing that one, though. We're not We're not even in the 20th century. We're in the 21st century, although early on in the 21st century, to talk about a match at the same arena as my previous pick, the ECW Arena. But it's a couple of years before there, and it's in a completely different promotion. That was IWA Mid-South. But Simon, what is the match we are discussing today? Uh, we are talking about a... Match in the best of the best CZW 2002 tournament between Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm, who drops, by the way, a very, very aggressive use of homophobic language. Yes, that was a sign it was 2002. As well as, as you described it, the camcorder footage that it is. It's not camcorder, oh, but it's not far off. I swear at one point on the ring open, I did, one of the blokes is holding a camcorder. <laughs> Depends what you define by camcorder, I guess, really. Now, Simon, do you or did you know anything before we did this episode? <laughs> I thought you were going to end it there. <laughs> <laughs> Have you cut off? Oh, look, and I think you just cut off. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Anyway. going to so let like, that sit there. Did the names Jody Fleisch or Johnny Storm, outside of with Johnny Storm, the Fantastic Four, did they mean anything to you? Okay. So, uh, listeners of the show may know about the wrestling management simulation game known as EWR Revenge. I had a... Uh, let's see. It was like I was in year nine or year 10 of school when I had it. So it was like an 0506 version. And one of the people, when you scout by speed, is Jody Fleisch. So whenever I played as TNA, because, oh, contrarian, I would try and I would always sign Jody Fleisch. That is all I knew about Jody Fleisch, (laughs) that he was quick. I had never seen a Jody Fleisch match before, and now I've seen it. I think he was, like, ten years too early. He's almost like the prototypical first draft design of Ricochet. Yes, yeah. He's a bit spindly. Well, he's not anymore, I'll tell you that much. If you see him now, because he's still going, him and Johnny Storm actually had just wrestled a match in March of 2020, and that's their last recorded match before, you know, insanity happened. But he's much bigger now. Because I got to see him live, and it was a bit of a shock. I didn't know he was on the show. But do you know how I go to the Edinburgh Fringe every year? He is stacked now. Good lord. Sorry, uh, listeners, I just saw an up-to-date picture. <laughs> yeah, you know how he goes to the Edinburgh Fringe every year? Until society. So from, from the year 2011, every other year after that, I'm just saying it was a year after I date, went up there with my Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan show, and suddenly, suddenly, like the proto-punk people beforehand, others took advantage for their own money-grabbing sense of, in you know, putting on an actually good show. There was a big event at the Pleasance, which is the biggest venue in Edinburgh, and 
they will hold every other year they did the wrestling, which would be a show, which would be a wrestling event involving wrestlers and comedians. Colt Banner got involved when he started coming over, um, and others did. And comedians also got involved. Uh, the best one was the third one, I think, although they were all brilliant. Like uh, They were all amazing nights. But on the third one, they did it as a Royal Rumble. And so there were comedians, like Ashleen B was a, got involved, and, you know, at the time it was cool. Not so much now, but in, hind- in hindsight, but she, like, did a whole bit in the ring with Marty Skrull. Uh... <laughs> but Puck was there just before he got signed by the WWE, and that was awesome. So, yeah, you get some good names. And one time, <laughs> so they all make a big entrance. And one of them that comes out, and when the comedians, they get nicknames. Like, one was the Traffic Warden, and, and like, having fun with the characters. And <laughs> Ashleen B came out with a huge, like, tricolour Irish flag cape behind her to, like, Catholic, like, hymn music. And Catherine Ryan behind her dressed as a nun. Like, holding <laughs> the veil. <laughs> holding the cape slash veil for her. And one of the entrances was... James, James Acaster, Acaster. Mm-hmm. So his nickname was James Acaster. He comes out and goes, and, it, and they all get their own entrance music. He comes out to Survivor by Destiny's Child going, I'm James Acaster, I'm James Acaster, I'm James Acaster, I'm James Acaster. All the way to the ring, goes up onto the apron and says, Who am I? James Acaster. And I'm winning this one. Gets into the ring. One of the wrestlers there just hits him over the head with a cookie tray and he goes out straight no. <laughs> And as he goes out, Brendan Burns, who's in commentary, a very um, forthright, in his opinion, Australian man, yelled out, Take that, you theme show cunt! Yeah. <laughs> so two years later, James A. Caster's still been stewing. He's been bitter <laughs> about all this for years. And he's like, I'm going to show them all. I'm worthy. I'm going to make it up for it this year. And then, like, the music starts up again. I'm a survivor. And there's, wind, there's like, these dancers all dressed up in James Acaster, like, mustard yellow jumpers and, you know, dark and brown slacks and everything. He comes out again doing the song and says, This year's my year. I'm going to win the ladder match and win the championship. And then Jody Fleisch comes out and smashes him over the head with a cookie <laughs> tray again. And it was, like, the first time I'd seen Jody Fleisch in any form for, like, ten years. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Hitting James Acaster over the head with a tray. But yeah, so uh, obviously at the start of the 2000s was when the indie scene was starting to emerge, re-emerge in America, especially in the Philadelphia scene. Post-ECW, you have Ring of Honor starting up, you have CZW. There was PWG starting up in California. Also in Pennsylvania, you had Jakara. You have IWA Mid-South as well in the, you know, in the Mid-South region. And all these guys are popping up in various different places and starting to coalesce and form a scene. And the UK was doing that as well. That finally, out of the doldrums of the post-World of Sport decade, where British wrestling was still basically owned by, partly by All-Star, and they're just doing all the Butlins promotions, and they're stuck in the past, and they're not changing for the times. Like, one of the things they would have was, like, the Power Ranger. And that was when you were starting to get the tribute WWF shows and everything else. The UK Undertaker. Yeah. But what was also developing at that time were these kids that were growing up on the American stuff. 
And also, I guess, when they get older and into the tape tradings, maybe also the Japanese stuff as well, and the Mexican Lucha Libre. And by the early 2000s, they're starting to put on shows, and there's 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 different attempts to make something. And finally, really, the thing that starts to take off is the FWA, which is backed by Alex Shane and a few other people. And that also gets involved. Tommy Boyd starts a wrestling talk show on Talk Sport, and that gets people interested as well. Alex Shane's on that as well. And they put on a big show that's broadcast on Bravo, I remember, with Eddie Guerrero was in the in it, and so was Grandmaster Sexay. They were like the big imports they brought in. And the three big British names that were really coming to the forefront at this time, after the Dirt Bike Kid, <laughs> who's a whole other thing we we've talked about before, and we'll we'll maybe 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 we should do the Dirt Bike Kid Great Sasuke match one day. Um, right, yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, but really the three top talents then were Doug Williams, Jodie Fleisch, and Johnny Storm. And they were the ones that were really getting attention for being of a higher level. To the point that this is them all going to the US together on, a, on an excursion. And Jodie Fleisch and Johnny Storm for like a three-week period were touring all around America, getting booked in various places. And this was one of the first things they did, CZW, in in the Best of the Best tournaments. And then two weeks later, they're back in Philadelphia again for Ring of Honor, taking part in the Ring of Honor Championship tournaments. But this was the one that really put them on the map in the US, and people started to pay attention to them. This match got voted the match of the year for CZW. But is it like their Will Ospreay-Ricochet match? Maybe, yeah, insofar as it was something that was not, not to that scale, obviously, and it wasn't causing any mass controversies, what they were doing, although, like you say, there's a certain uh, choreographed element to this match. There, there was a time at this in this period where it wouldn't be a wrestler that would become big on the indie scene, it would be a match, like a pairing of two people that yeah. would become big on the indie scene. CM Punk had that with Colt Cabana, it was like they were getting booked to do the Punk Cabana match, that was what bookers in indie shows wanted. Um... And you'd also have people like uh, uh, Mike, like uh, Claude, Mike Quackenbush and, and B-Boy. And all these guys, it was like... And a lot of the time they were being booked into like tournaments as well. That was the big thing to have at this time. Because you're selling videos and, and DVDs. And if you just kept selling a one-off video, really, it's hard to get it on like a long-term storyline. So a, a self-contained tournament works really well. So pretty much every promotion at this point is holding a big annual tournament. Like, IWA Mid-South had both King of the Death Match and Ted Petty Invitationals. CZW had King of the Death Matches as well. The Ultraviolet Tournament of Death. Uh, but also the best of the best for the high spot style. You know, PWG had the Battle of Los Angeles and the DDT4 tournaments. Uh, and most famously of all was ECWA's Super 8 tournament, which was really the... A lot of people, was like their breeding ground of young talent, like... Anyone who was anyone in the 90s indie scene, when there wasn't much of an indie scene, would go... Like, Matt and Jeff Hardy did that one year, and uh, it was the, the ECWA Super 8 tournament that brought, like, Loki to people's attention. Brian Danielson, Christopher Daniels. One of those is not like the others. <laughs> in certain ways. And so, yeah, this was the time for tournaments, and... That inspiration of Japanese... I mean, they would they would do, like, ceremonies like the Japanese tournaments ahead of time. They basically... Basically, everyone got the Super J Cup 94 VHS, and, like, we want to do that. Yeah. So let's do that. And sometimes the tournaments... The best of the best had a really weird concept... Because this was the second match 
this night that Jodie Fleisch and Jodie Storm came out for. But it was also the second match that they were against each other. Because how the best of the best tournaments worked at the start, anyway, was that they would have triple threat matches. But the person that got pinned was eliminated. And then the other two would come back to the next round and wrestle each other in a one-on-one match. Right, okay. Sort of like how game shows work. I guess. So it's like eight triple threat matches, then eight first round tournament matches. Yeah. You know, it's not like it was a three-way elimination and after the other guy, which was Johnny Cashmere of the Backseat Boys, got eliminated, they just went on. They went back and then they came back out for this match. It really seemed counterintuitive, especially because I was reading up on this. One of the big complaints of this show was it was five hours long. Is this where Vince got the idea from? Yeah, maybe. It finished at 1am. That's a hard Uh, sell. Yeah. But let's actually talk about the match itself. So it's very 2002 indie-rific. But... Yes, yes it is. I think there's a good reason why this stood out and why they became quite hot commodities for a couple of years after this. Jodie Fleisch got regularly brought into Ring of Honor... Johnny Storm was quite a regular at PWG around this time. And then when they would fly in talent for the FWA shows or other British shows, if it's your AJ Styles or your Christopher Daniels or your Low Keys or your Brian Danielsons, they're getting paired up with either Doug Williams, Jody Fleisch or Johnny Storm. Because they're the three that could keep up with the higher caliber of uh, quality that America was providing. And it's just the sense that these guys know each other. Like I said, this is a match that they have. And I feel like they know, okay, let's do sequence A into sequence C and then sequence E into sequence D. Yeah. What I feel like, you know, in the in the, in the 80s and 90s, there was how Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid worked or how Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis worked or how Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn worked, or how Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko worked. So they knew each other so well that it was just, like, very, very minor. And that we saw most recently in our five-star matches with the Zack Sabre Jr. Will Ospreay match. And there's a lot of echoes of that in this match, I think. The constant fast-paced reversal sequencing. But I think with this, at times it feels more choreographed. With the Ospreay... Zack Sabre one, it felt more reactive and instinctual rather than rehearsed and choreographed. Well, that's the key difference, I, I, I would say, is the Zack Sabre Jr. and the Will Ospreay one. They felt like a story being told in the match. This, to me, is a collection of moves, very, very, very good moves, with a smattering of these guys know each other very well. I think that's mostly valid but i also think that they should be applauded johnny storm in particular for trying to work a heel and face dynamic that very often these tournaments are just not interested in doing i will give it i will give johnny storm this it's the best dick kick i've ever seen yes yes do you want to describe it for people if if they haven't watched the match how what is a johnny storm dick kick simon what what makes it stand out from the rest Sort of, he sort of springs Fleisch into the air and sort of does like a one eighty, and then like back heels him right in the knob. It's quite, it's quite something. It's a pop up mule kick to the balls. Yeah, it's beautiful, is what it is. You describe many things as beautiful in this, but a dick kick is a new one for you. <laughs> in ring, though, this is re- uh, the moves are incredible. 
And wouldn't, and wouldn't look out of place now. Wouldn't look out of place almost 20 years on. Well, this is it. I said that John, uh, Jody Fly is just 10 years too early, bless him. He'd be in one of the big two now. Yes, that's true, actually. You would. And to be fair, he was doing... He was making waves. Not only was he getting booked in uh, America and Britain off of this, he had been working in Michinoku Pro for quite a while at this point as well. He'd been involved in like an eight-man or ten-man tag team match with Christopher Daniels as Curry Man. I remember got a lot of buzz at the time as well. Maybe I should seek that one out, see if I can find that. Because obviously that's what Michinoku Pro was so good at delivering at this time. One of the things I like about Johnny Storm is that he's trying to heal it up still. And very often they don't really bother doing that in this mat, in these matches. And that actually, when I watched it again, I was like, this does have a three-act structure in, in that these traditional matches have. In that Johnny Storm really does dominate the vast amount of the middle portion of the match. And he builds sympathy yeah. for Jody Fleisch. He does it by calling fans shitheads and not, you know, it's it's heel work 101 in many ways. But yeah. It, like you say, it's not just using a spectacular high-flying move, but doing it to kick him in the dick and just establishing that he's a heel. One of my problems, yeah. though, is right at the end, when the match is over, and as was commonplace, whenever these two wrestle each other, Jody Fleisch won. He does the handshake and they do the traditional, it's a sporting endeavor, this is what they do in Japan. Really, Johnny Storm, based on the character that we saw from the beginning to the end, should have spit on him, spat on him, and given him the finger and walked off. Yeah. But they want to give them both their moment to soak in the crowd adulation, which is the given thing in these tournament sports focused matches. So, like, I'll give it mark, I'll give him marks for that, but then knock marks off at the, you know, in in afterwards mm. for them. And I'm sure he really cares what marks I give. This match. <laughs> I'm sure that's really on Johnny Storm's mind. One of the things as well is it's always a question of get your shit in. We've just come off of WrestleMania and there was a lot of guys trying desperately to get their shit in. Like the Riddle Sheamus match and the Owen Zane match was re- they crammed in as much as they could. Yeah. In the space of time that they had because like it's uh, two weeks later when they have the Ring of Honor Championship match that one go this match goes for twelve and a half minutes that match goes for seven minutes and it is like. Let's fit as much of that match into this match oh. that we can. Essentially, I think the only thing that was different was, and this is giving them credit, adapting to the CZW atmosphere was the crowd brawling element to it. Where, and like I said, that that reminded me of that's a cool visual as well. Well, it's like it's like when Mysterio and Psychosis worked ECW, they brought in chair and table spots to work within that crowd. Yeah. So that was that was. Fleisch and Storm adapting to the C- CZW thing. Even if it does mean that Johnny Storm the heel gets a guy to hold up a chair in the second row and gives an Irish whip that somehow makes Jody Fleisch fly into the second row from very far away so he gets hit in the head with the chair. But that's them adapting to their surroundings and trying to win. Because that, you know, that crowd's coming in cold. The crowd knows nothing about them. I watched the Johnny Cashmere match that they had beforehand. And that was four minutes. They barely do anything. And it's there to set up an angle because Johnny Cashmere would have been one of the favourites going in. He was a popular character in the in the promotion at the time. Uh, okay. And he just gets attacked in full view with the referee. And they're on the outside for most of it. So that's just the Johnny Cashmere show for that four minute match, really. But this is them starting out from scratch. In front of a hostile audience, you know, that's what's going to happen in Philadelphia. That Most of them don't know stuff about them. But, like, it is funny because we were saying about Will Ospreay. How does he work heel where his whole thing is still to do spectacular stuff? Unlike Jay White, he's not really 
toned down so much. He has toned down compared to his junior yeah. days, but he's still doing spectacular moves in his matches whilst supposedly being the either the top or the second top heel. Well, if you're the IWGP heavyweight champion, which he is now, you you know you are the top heel yeah. <laughs> in the company by default. Really, if you're the heel and if you're the face, you should be the top face. So that's what's funny about Johnny Storm because he's doing spectacular stuff throughout this match. But it, as long as you're the less spectacular of the two, you can still work as the heel, really. Which yeah. is which is what Dynamite Kid was to Tiger Mask, I suppose, really. And with like some of Jody's like moves, if you, how do you compare? How do you like? He tries his hardest, Johnny Storm, but like, oh, yeah, he does some cool Lord. stuff. Like he does a double, you know, a double jump plancher to the outside and lands on his feet. He does a top rope springboard uh, spinning heel kick that looks really good. But then Jody Fleisch gets Irish whipped into a wall and manages to just walk on the wall oh, and do a moonsault. Such a cool spot. <laughs> but I bet you it sometimes it is like, okay, how can we get to the nearest wall? Yeah. <laughs> It's like um, Night Boat, the crime-solving boat. Ah, oh, there's always an outlet, or a canal, or a gorge. Or a fjord. Quiet! I won't hear you speak ill about the boat! But yeah, all in all, it's very enjoyable. You can imagine for 2002, it's utterly jaw-dropping. Yeah. I think that's the problem. I think I'm watching this in 2021, not in 2002. And they are still going. Jody Fleisch... Uh, sort of at the height of his popularity stepped away a little bit. It's funny, I was looking them up on Cage Match, on their on their match statistics, and Johnny Storm really did keep going throughout it all. Like, he's st- he's he's got a sizable number of bookings from 2002 all the way to 2019, and then 2020, everything stops. But Jody Fleisch literally has no bookings in 2004. When he was 23 years old, he retired. For stuff that I've never found out much about, I don't know. They they said it was injuries plus personal issues. Ah. So, you know, we'll never know. But he did start to come back in 2005. He was actually very prominent in that uh, 1PW super promotion that spent a lot of money and brought in a lot of people. But, oh, God, there are stories, as <laughs> is often the case with many of these British fly-by-night promotions. Dark Side of the Ring season three! <laughs> But then by 2010 to 2014, he's only got like two bookings, three, four, three, nine on cage match. So he, again, seemed to sort of not give up entirely, but fade away from it. But then he's really around the time I must have seen him in the Edinburgh show. He started getting back into it and now with a new, much more beefier look. He actually did take part in the 2018 Battle of Los Angeles tournament, I remember. Oh, cool. That was a that was a big like blast from the, oh my god fucking hell Johnny Fleisch he's still going I think he got knocked out in the first round but that's still it's still cool so I don't know if he's got enough in him still maybe he could make a little I don't know where you put him now though like you say he's he's an unfortunate not quite right place not quite at the yeah. wrong not quite at the right time it it just doesn't line up. So that's how it is sometimes. Because he's so he's so thin at that point as well. Like he is, he's not short like Johnny Storm is. Johnny Storm is noticeably tight. Like he's noticeably shorter than the ref and the ring announcer. If that was what two thousand and three Jody Fleisch looked like, as far as the physique goes, he would have probably done even better. One of the things they did in Ring of Honor was they put him in the Special K faction, and he had a match with Loki that has a. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I've just got the Lenny quote from The Simpsons in my head. Ah, he's good, but he's no Special K. Well, Special K was a pretty inspired faction, I thought, in Ring of Honor, because so much of the indie scene at the time were all these indistinguishable, interchangeable, tiny kids who were like 18, 19, 20, who fly around the ring bumping all over the place but don't sell for anything. So what Gabe Sapolsky turned them into was a huge faction, like a dozen of them. And they're all raving rich kids who take loads of uppers. So the reason they're flying around the place and bumping but not really selling in a traditional sense is because they're, they're boxed out their, their minds. Right. And like I said, they're all interchangeable. There's like two dozen, there's like a dozen of them. And I think maybe his plan would have been for Jody Flash to be like the top name out of them because he was presented as a step above and, and he did... Um, like I said, he, he wrestled Loki whilst he was a member of Special K, but again, it just never sort of fell through after that. He did, he did get booked in the 2006 Ring of Honor shows. The, I went to the 2007 shows, but the ones in 2006, he did get booked with Johnny Storm, I think, as a tag team. And that's pretty much they've been joined at the hip throughout the whole career. They they are to the UK scene, I guess, what Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen, and El Generico were to the to the US Indie scene. scene. Yeah, yeah. And again, that was another one where they were just they were they were a match that people were booking. That the, they want the Steen Generico either match or tag team. And maybe if things had gone right for both of them, because Johnny Storms kept going and he's still going to this day. Never quite got his due, maybe because they never got really booked in progress or part of that big indie UK indie boom of of the recent years. They weren't really booked in the right promotions. It's a shame, really, they didn't get booked into World of Sport. They would have been good additions to that roster. And they had the connections with Alex Shane. So it was a bit of a surprise they weren't used, really. So could you say um, they were the victims of typecasting, pretty much? Not necessarily well. the victims of typecasting. Victims of being in the UK at a time where the scene looked like it was going to do something special and then it faded out and they didn't really... They never made the move to America. I think if they'd have gone to America like Nigel McGuinness had... Maybe they could have built something from it. Johnny Storm, I think, was a bit too interchangeable. Not not as spectacular a look. Jodie Fleisch was doing stuff that pretty much no one else was doing at that point. Like the 720 DDT that we see in this match. But it was also still, like a lot of the guys, there were still a couple of scary moments. Never do a shooting star plancher, guys. Shooting stars just are always a night nightmare because he does it in this match and catches his legs on the ropes, which happens so many times when you see shooting star plunchers. Shin splints for days. And Johnny Storm had to race to catch him. But I get the feeling that Johnny's like, well, this isn't the first time this has happened. <laughs> it's muscle memory. It's not panic. <laughs> yeah. They deserve credit for making people pay attention to the UK scene before Progress did it, before uh, For Ireland Over the Top did it, before ICW were doing it in Scotland. It was Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm, this match in particular, and Doug Williams. And Doug Williams had the advantage of the size and he had the unique British style of wrestling that was cool and different to the UK. US audience. And, and actually, just one thing I just remembered as well. One spot I really liked in this, and it was like an it was like an update on the Johnny Storm spots, where he would hold someone in a, a wrist lock and they body slamming, but he'd hold onto the wrist lock and they'd carry through it. In this match, Johnny Storm had John Jody in the hammer lock. Jody does a really high snap mare flip over, 
but jo Johnny Storm holds on and retains control. That was a great little bit of British. And Johnny Storm would do that occasionally. He'd bring him down to the mat after doing big moves so he could control him. But they were just trying to get the greatest hits out there. They were trying to steal the show. And you don't do psychology and storytelling of strategy in this match. It's just do the big moves that will get the crowd clapping that just don't know you. So you can't blame them for doing that. I yeah. would have been curious to see if, if they'd have gone on and, and become better storytellers in a higher profile. I, don't, I haven't seen enough of Johnny Storm in later years to see if he added those strings to his bow over time. But he's still, I think he's very well respected. And he does it for love. He is such a huge wrestling fan. WWF wrestlers knew him. Because he was, a, as a kid, he would go and see shows. Like, he went to WrestleMania 10. I think you can actually see him in, like, a, pra a package where they're talking to fans at, like, Access or something. Oh, okay. And he was not, like, Razor, like, Scott Hall recognized him. And I remember, he, I think he did the Colt Banner podcast. And he told a story of Scott Hall realizing it was him. And saying, will you watch my match? Because that was all he wanted. And unfortunately, mm. Scott Hall was not in one of his more lucid states at that yeah. point. <laughs> But that was, yeah, that was another thing about Johnny Storm that he just loved. It's, it's part of his DNA. And even when he wasn't the big hot name on the scene anymore, like he was at this time, he was still making the shows. You're quite right. These guys, in terms of they had a goal, entertain the fans, they achieved that goal. Does it make you want to look into Because there's actually quite a lot of FWA stuff on YouTube at the moment. Well, the way you're, like, if I had to, like, condense what you, what you were saying there, like, it's like these guys walked so Brit Rest could run. So, um, sort of, sort of. I don't know that Will Os the Will Ospreys and that of this world were necessarily inspired by Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm, or if that was a little bit before their time. But it showed that it could happen, I suppose, that a scene could emerge in the UK, and it did emerge in the UK, but unfortunately they didn't reap the greatest rewards from yeah. us. Okay. I'd love to see more Jody Fleisch. Not so much Johnny Storm, there you go, that, that's the thing. The flashier one. With the bigger moves. He, yeah, Fleisch did impress me more. And do you know what? The Johnny Storm, like, you, you called it heel work 101. It, what, it, if anything, I was just like, oh, standard. Well, I, I, I'll be honest, I was unimpressed, yeah. Also, he came out to five. I mean, if that's not a heelish move, I don't know what is. But everybody get up singing. Five will make you get down now. Best believe it, don't you know? <laughs> so... That has been a, a, a whistle-stop tour around British wrestling in the early 2000s. Uh, go to your local library if you want to find out more. We slightly recorded this a bit out of place. There are some subsequent Match of the Weeks coming that we've already recorded. But I'll be honest, I forgot that I said this was going to be our next match until I heard it on the last week's episode. <laughs> so we raced to get it. But that also means we need to get one, a, a pick for you in. We've gone the most recent out of everything we've done so far. Because we oh, suspected yes. this might have been part of our other series, but it turned out not to be the case. But it's a match that I think is worth discussion. We are talking about the Lights Out Unsanctioned match on St. Patrick's Day Slam on AEW Dynamite between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Thunder Rosa. But if people want to get in touch with you before then, Simon, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the different types of tooth there are in my mouth. Molar, incisor, and canine. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, as if you were to say Angleterre to describe 
the country of origin for Jodie Fleisch and Johnny Storm to your French listeners. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox. If you're putting at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. As Simon tries to compose himself... <laughs> you really that is one of my most tenuous ones yet, and I loved it. <laughs> I, I am living for it. <laughs> But yeah, if you want to get in touch with us about anything else or but until then, why don't you just fuck off and have a great time Jesus. <laughs> until the next time. Oh well. Oh, thank you for letting us tell you something. <laughs> <laughs>